just have been fun. I mean, they've had a I really good. I meant to send it to you guys. I kind of sounded. I saw like a semi horrifying picture of like an entire like community, and it was just all Psyducks that were working on stuff, and it was kind of. They were not kind and nice Psyducks either. It was just like, what the hell? It was definitely like late night Imager, I think. So <laughs> the scariest part of Imager. Yeah. And with that, hello and welcome to Red Raccoon Radio, uh, your local game store podcast coming to you from Bloomington, Illinois, uh, connected to Red Raccoon Games, the, in my opinion, number one shop within Bloomington, Illinois. It might be the only shop as well. I'm pretty sure we're the only one. But that doesn't mean that you're not number one. Yeah. I, I, all the time people come in the door, I'm like, welcome to the greatest game store on this block. Fantastic. He was number one. It's all about marketing. I didn't tell you, uh, since we're doing intros, by the way, this is Jamie. Hey, everybody, this is Jamie. Hi, this is Jesse. Jesse's over there. Yep. As I, you can I, tell, John got rid of his silence spell that we had on him before. We've already covered this. It's been <laughs> yeah. two podcasts, I think, since my accosting, which was justly deserved. But we have now worked out a truce, and we are here today to talk about what Jamie is about to bring up. Yeah, I got a shout-out last night on Facebook from another game store in Indiana who was listening to our podcast and what? was like, wow, you guys do a really good job. I've been oh. having a good time listening to it. And I was That's like, cool. That's kind of crazy. Well, that yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. I just thought that was fun. We're going to have to get to the point where I actually start asking people to do, like, five-star reviews and stuff. That's going to be crazy. <laughs> um, well, we, we are trying to market a little bit more, so I think that, that is good to yeah. hear that some other people are hearing from us. I think it's interesting how much podcasts are back, right? Because podcasts were all the rage in, like, 1995. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of faded out of nothingness as everything went to video, and, and then now they're back I, hardcore. I... I I think I feel like you might mean like two thousand two or four, Jamie. I feel like that's when podcasts first became a thing after no. the iPod. No, ninety five. I mean, maybe I could do like a a, a stream of some. It, yeah, maybe I was. I don't know. It all blurs together, Jesse. <laughs> the decades years. are blurring together. I understand, Jamie. It's years. What's ninety five versus two thousand five? Get Jamie? off my lawn, you darn kids! I will say that it definitely has had an uptick since we have seen better applications being able to play podcasts. Yes, so Apple Podcasts has advanced significantly. I'm not sure about the Apple program that they have for podcasts, but I hear that it's really good. And then you have other groups that are starting not only kind of their collectives of podcasts, but then having their own players like. HeadGum and uh, other groups. Like, I think Adventure Zone is with... Uh, uh, I don't know. Someone's podcast addict on my, on That's, yeah. my Android I phone. I tend to use Podcast Addict. I have started to, out of laziness, use Spotify for podcasts a little bit more, mm-hmm. which I initially was like, I don't want to... And I'm like, uh, it depends. It depends on how dedicated I am to listening to something. But um, no, I mean that's. I'm thinking about the first time I ever listened to podcasts. Was my first MP3 player, which was literally a hard drive with a little LCD screen on it that uh, I would have to download it and mm-hmm. put it on there manually. And every yell night the kids you to get up off so you can get lawn. all the new episodes. Yeah. You used to listen to them with Winamp. Oh yeah, Winamp. It whips the llamas. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> We're but, a family-friendly podcast. Yeah, oh, man. And, yes. You know, but no one used Winamp 3.0 because you couldn't use skins like you could in 2.22. It was the MySpace era. You needed skins. You needed to be able to All my anime skins where you can't see any of Yeah. Equalizer. 
Well, luckily we live in today's age. And I think that, you know, one of the reasons that we wanted to create a podcast is because obviously we like talking about this stuff and it gives you guys actual time to talk about games that's not work-related yeah. to some degree. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but also because, I mean, even when we first decided to do this, it was kind of going to be weird. We're like, how do we talk about board games in a non-visual medium? Mm. But I think that we've done a really good job. Yeah. And I'm glad to hear that other people are appreciating it. However, he is someone that is having to only listen to the podcast. If you were living close enough that you can hear this and visit the store, what was it like this week? What was going on at Red Raccoon? This was a, a, a weird week. Um, we had a couple we had a couple people out sick. Um, the flu is so since Illinois lifted the mask mandate, the flu has become an issue at the store again and we're dealing with that because uh, we had like practically nobody that got sick for 18 months of COVID and everybody was wearing a mask all the time. And now that um, you know Illinois has kind of done away with the mask mandates and stuff, uh, the flu is once again an issue. So this was a lot of scrambling to to just cover shifts this week as people were um, dropping like flies and passing it around the store. And 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 once again, masks were back in, in action as people were like, "Yeah, I've got a sore throat. I'm going to keep this mask on all day." I'm like, "Thank you for I've been doing very, that." I've been very pleased with when I see an employee who comes in and they're they're just wearing masks. They're like, "I feel I feel good. It's just I've got a little itch in my throat, and so I'm being extra safe." And I appreciate that. That's the mentality that I think I'd like to see us adopt as a society, right? Yeah. I feel like one of the worst things that came out of all of COVID was people started believing masks were a shield, and that is not mm. their purpose. Masks are to keep the disease inside of you, not to protect you right. from getting the disease. Absolutely. And so that mentality, I think, goes a long way, and the fact that you guys have workers that are understanding that, very important. Yeah, and then so this week we also saw new employees started this week. Well, actually, actually started since the last podcast. Mm. Yeah. Um, this was... Um, the end of her second week. So Kat has joined um, the ranks of Red Raccoon employees and uh, she's been a great addition as well. We needed some uh, additional daytime help for receiving since Ben and Katie moved to Champaign. So Ben's not in, in Bloomington every day every more, anymore. So Kat's been doing pretty awesome. And then this week is also uh, the release of the new Magic set, right? We had the pre-release last weekend for Streets of New uh, Capena, Capena, however you want to say it, Capricola. Capricola, Gabagool, Caprica. <laughs> We've been butchering it nonstop <laughs> since they announced it. Um, and, and so it's, uh, you know, pre-release weekend was fun. Everybody had a good time with the set. Uh, during the course of this week, now we get in all of the additional products such as... Um, Commander decks. Uh, commander decks and uh, collector's boxes and bundles and things of that nature. So all that went on sale as well. Um, so also a lot of sorting because we open up a lot of boxes to make sure that we have singles available for people who they don't want to buy a whole box. They're looking for two, three cards or, or they bought a box and they just need a couple extra cards to finish building out their deck. So... That's been uh, it's been really busy this week um, trying to make that happen and get all that stuff sorted out. It's been pretty good. That's what I like to hear. Yeah, it's been pretty good. Jamie, how's, I mean, Jesse, how's things been on your um, plate this week? It's been good. It's been good. Uh, been focusing on a lot of um, behind-the-scenes stuff, trying to tighten up some of our processes that help us out with uh, making the store run more efficiently. Um, training folks on how to do 
some different jobs, divesting myself of some responsibilities, hopefully, um, and which hopefully lets me spend more time on the floor, which I like helping customers. I like being able to be on the floor and help people find games they're going to like. And so I'm looking forward to getting to do that some more. Um, and besides that, it's just been, uh, it's been, it's been good. It's been good. Yeah, spring is here, and uh, because we live in the Midwest, that means that every day has been a challenge of, oh, look, we have a frost warning. Oh, now it's 70 degrees, and we need to think about, is the store getting too hot on the inside? Oh, no, it's a frost warning again. It's been ping-ponging, and that part drives me a little crazy. Yes, Illinois, the place where you can always question if Mother Nature really has a passive-aggressive relationship with you. However, getting outdoors is something that a lot of people are looking forward to this year, obviously, and one of the big things that pulled people out into the wild before is actually now coming in card game form. So in our news for today, first article is going to be that Pokemon Go is getting its own Pokemon card set where they're hopefully will be taking make new cards using artwork that allows Pokemon to be in more like, photorealistic settings. Yeah. Is how they describe it. So um, for those who are tangentially aware of how the uh, Pokemon card game is set up in terms of how it releases sets, effectively, like many big CCGs like Magic, there are four big normal sets that are released every year for Pokemon. Basically, every three months you get a new regular set of new boosters with all new cards. They put a bunch of tag like adjectives into a barrel yeah. and just kind of spin it And then they just go, here's yeah. adjective noun, something, here's a verbing noun, right? Like the evolving. set that comes out in just a couple weeks is Astral Radiance. Astral Radiance, Evolving Skies, don't question it, just go with it. Um, Shining Legends. <laughs> yeah. So um, they release four regular bread and butter sets every year. And then in the middle, they sprinkle in a couple of special sets. So the things that people probably are, have heard of before that were these special sets are things like Shining Legends or Hidden Fates or Celebrations. Champions, and Path. Champions Path. Those are sets that are released a little bit differently. They don't have the regular booster box, 36 packs in a box format. They are only released in like elite trainer boxes and special release sets. They tend to be more expensive and the cards in them are all supposed to be special to some degree, but they have like extra special chase cards in them. They're special sets is usually how we refer to them or an anniversary set of some sort like celebrations. Um, so this one, the ghost set is the summer special release set for Pokemon. And um, yeah, we, we started to get solicitations for it and the distributors put in the solicitation straight up. They're like, "We, what is in this email is all that we have for it. Yeah. Don't ask us any more questions. <laughs> Don't ask where the pictures. Don't ask what it's going to be like. There's the product name. There's how much it is. That's what we have. Because uh, they've been very tight-lipped. And we there, there was a second um, press release that went out later after we already had to put in our commit numbers, like how much product yeah. we want that vaguely said that um, some of the cards were going to feature photorealistic artwork. Yeah. And we were debating earlier, like, well, what does that mean? Is that uh, a cartoon Pikachu in front of a real piece of, like, architecture or landscape? Or is that something more like um, from the Detective Pikachu movie where they hyper-realistically 3D rendered all yeah. the Pokemon? That's a good... We were trying to figure out the right way to phrase that. Hyper-realistic versus stylistically realistic right and now I'm just we were talking about like I think you said a Tangela having a crepe in front of the Eiffel Tower I'm, I'm trying to think what Pokemon would go in front of the bean 
in, in Chicago. A Snorlax in front of the bean? I like sleeping yeah. on it. Oh, right? a Snorlax yeah. sleeping on the bean? That's amazing. I love it. Yeah. Because in, in Detective Pikachu, Snorlax was only like a blip in mm. the background and he was sleeping and there was police routing traffic around him because he fell asleep in like a crosswalk. That, I was just about to, <laughs> I hadn't seen the movie. I was going to say like traffic jam because of a, a Snorlax. That would be really. That's exactly what would happen in the movie. Get the polka flute division mm-hmm. out there. Yeah. Special tactics. Although I will say in Detective Pikachu, um, Mr. Mime was super creepy. Yes, terrifying. <laughs> Which they, I, I think they've doubled down on. Even inside of the actual anime, a lot of people are realizing Mr. Mime has been around Ash's mom for a long, long <laughs> well, time. Yeah, this is the joke that's just like, is Mr. Mime like, is Mr. Mime an animal that is that looks like a person? Or is he, or is he, or is he just a dude? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Questions I don't think the cartoon will ever But Gengar answer. was really cool. There were some of the animations mm-hmm. from the, the movie, that what they did in the movie were really good. Oh, yeah. Like Psyduck's, my, I tell everybody, that's my favorite. Uh, Psyduck. Psyduck. <laughs> and uh, he was done really, really well in the movie. I mean, he was kind of a Pikachu's sidekick yeah. throughout the <laughs> whole thing. So there were We got into like, the talking Pokemon plushes from the Detective Pikachu movie, and there was a Psyduck that was basically like Jamie's emotional support Psyduck. <laughs> and there would be days where like, someone would say, Jamie, how are you doing? And he would just press it and go, Psyduck. <laughs> and then the day that uh, a child actually purchased it, because it was the last one we had, Jamie was sad. But like, he wasn't able to express it with the Psyduck. That's the irony. It, it was a little sad that day, yeah. I will say that I mean, it, it was very. he was very much a... Uh, Oh, Chekhov's Psyduck in that movie because <laughs> the fact that they set him up to just explode at any time and the whole rest of the movie you got to feel that tension it added such another level that I truly appreciated Psyduck? If Psyduck appears in the first act of the film it'll go off in the third act Yeah it's going to be interesting to see, right? I mean, we're. I looked um, the other day to see if there was any spoilers of cards mm. or art or anything. I can't lift. find anything well, on this the one. They're, were... they're really keeping everything, yeah, close the, to the chest yeah. on this one. And like, it's kind of curious to see, like, you know, where are we in terms of is this going to be something where they really focus on let's get the Pokemon card players to maybe do more with Pokemon Go? Is this going to be something where the people who are Pokemon Go fans are going to start buying the cards and they weren't before because there's integration that way for unlocking stuff? I mean, because you have two very like hardcore fan bases there. I have friends who still play Pokemon Go that like, that's their thing. Mm-hmm. That's their thing they're super passionate about, right? So, Is Dustin still playing a lot? I, I believe so. Okay. Yeah, that's the main person I think of, right? Shout out to Dustin. Kelly still plays. Yeah. And, and we're driving around, and she's, she's got Pokemon Go open on driving, and she's catching stuff as we're going down the street. It might be also that Niantic and Game Freak, who are the owners mm-hmm. of Pokemon Go, might have something planned for the summer. Right. And this kit is going to somehow integrate with that yeah. as well. Um, this is exactly where you'll find this version of Pikachu. Right. If you visit the Bean, or you can get a Snorlax. Well, right, and I mean, with they're, they're banking on hopefully the summer is a more open. accessible, open summer, right? I mean, Go was super popular right before COVID. Obviously, it fell off some during. So, um, yeah, it's it, it's a bold move, Cotton. That's, I guess, where I would go. <laughs> on the Ocho. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of things that we can do this summer, uh, D&D uh, on the 21st had a These segues. Just these segues are just... Thank you, because you know what? It really makes them feel real smooth when we interrupt how good they are <laughs> with a compliment on how good they are. That really helps I've my got segue. You. I've got in the you. middle of the segue. Uh, <laughs> I'm your ice man. <laughs> <laughs> um... 
Um, so this summer is uh, they they decided that they were going to release a kind of a D and D live stream. They discussed a lot of great stuff. Very little about their acquisition of D and D Beyond, but they did finally confirm something they had been teasing for months, and that is the return of Spelljammer. Spelljammer. Now, Jamie, I look to you. Could you give us a description of what Spelljammer was as far as a D and D setting? Oh man! So Spelljammer came out when I was a kid. And it was, um, I think originally it was an AD&D, right? So not second edition, AD&D was before second edition. And Spelljammer is literally D&D in space. It is not sci-fi. It is D&D in space. Space and fantasy. Space mm-hmm. fantasy, yeah. That's a good way to say it because um, the ships and stuff are like galleons and they look like ocean going vessels mm-hmm. um you know the wind jammer the spell jammer got its name from the ship called the wind jammer which was like a, a four mast uh a sailing ship and but the, the premise is that they're magical flying ships flying through space and navigating through the the aether no right? it's not the aether there's the a name photo... for the phlogiston phlogiston I think is what it's called and this the idea behind it is that all of the various realms of all the settings that they've ever made for D&D so you've got um, uh, Toril which is the Forgotten Realms you've got Kryn which was Dragonlance and you've got um, the world of Greyhawk are all connected in these crystal spheres of existence so and then if you have the ability to if you have a high level magic uh, spell you can create a portal to escape out of the crystal sphere to go through um, the phlogiston which is um, highly flammable. I don't know why it's highly flammable but it is highly flammable so I like I think it was to make sure you couldn't build a rocket ship but you had to use a okay. normal <laughs> ship to fly. Okay, through. yeah. It's highly flammable, and um, ships, when they go through, a, a ship attracts a bubble of air around it based on the weight of the ship. There was, in, in the original, there was, um, and I'm, I'm going in the weeds because I'm a giant nerd, but there was, a, there was rules that said if a ship weighed a certain number of tons, for each ton the ship weighed, it would attract enough oxygen in the bubble. Each ton was enough to support a, a human or a, a, a creature, a being, for uh, four to eight months of traveling through space. And then you had, so you had the bigger the ship, the more people you could put on it, or the more air you could take with you because there was rules that said um, you have fresh air and then eventually your air would become fouled and then the air would become deadly. And so like when you got to the air fouled because you hadn't gone anywhere to get fresh air in long enough, then, um, uh, then you started getting like negatives on all your rules and everything when you're out so, in space. since it's based on density and weight and not volume, this also is a reason for you to get maybe precious heavy metals like gold or platinum to put on your ship, which is going to give you a bigger bubble. Yeah, well, and then there's also crazy rules, too, for um, gravity, that gravity goes to the center line of the ship. So you the ship can pitch and roll and yaw, and you'd never fall off of it, and you could even flip over and you could walk on the bottom of the ship because then the gravity's pulling you to the center line of the ship from the bottom as well. That's fun. But um, there was, like, rules that said most people don't do this because they like to pretend that for their own balance and for your, like, inner ear that they're standing on top of the ship. But you could do it. 
And if you want to argue that point, I will say get a tube of totally spent uh, wrapping paper and tell me it doesn't feel like a lightsaber in your hand. If you think lightsaber while it's in your hand, this is completely doable. I could totally see someone on a ship in space saying, I want to pretend like I'm on, I'm like yeah. in, in yeah. the water. Yeah. Well, and, and it's, um, there's, it introduced so many new things. It's going to be, um, I actually, so when they made the announcement, I went upstairs in the closet. I dug out some of my Spelljammer books that I still have. And I was flipping through them going, oh man, I forgot how crazy all this stuff was. Um, tons of new creatures that exist in space. And, and some of them are going to be coming forward into this new box set, like the uh, the GIF, mm-hmm. um, our giant hippopotamus people, basically. And yep. they're coming forward with the... Uh, with the new book set, a box set. There's a there's a race of monkey people. There's the Vereen, which are like um, insectoids. There's robot the, gnomes. the robot gnomes. Um, so a bunch of new playable races. And um, yeah, I, oh God, I've just been nerding out the whole, whole, whole time. It's awesome. One of the fascinating things that I saw kind of coming out of this was, it seemed like in the previous edition, and maybe I'm wrong, that this was very much based in interplanetary travel. Mm-hmm. And it was that each one of these worlds had this crystalline surrounding so that it kind of explained why these different worlds were cut off from one another and how you'd have to have very specified skills to get to them. But in what they've been producing, with the content they've been showing us, it seems this is more not you exploring space, but you exploring the multiverse as a whole, which kind of then goes in line with what they've been showing us, such as in Fizben's Dragons, where it was, you know, if a dragon gets large enough, it could have different versions of itself in different realities. So if you had, if you wanted to kill it, you might have to kill it in multiple places. That's where like the aspects of Tiamat and stuff like that. Exactly. So that now means Spelljammer is a way to enable people to travel to different realities. So if your quest is to kill something that has multiple aspects. That could be really fun. Spelljammer can be the way to do it. And a lot of it too, um, again, in the original, a lot of it was uh, buying and selling of interplanetary trade and and piracy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was almost like space pirates that yeah. they pulled into the set as well, which was, you know, for those of uh, chronologically experienced listeners of our podcast, will remember when the X-Men went to space in the 80s as well, right? Yes. Everybody had to have a space theme and we're going to space yeah. too. And that's when you met uh, Corsair mm-hmm. and the Star Jammers, not yeah. the Spell Jammers, the right. Star Jammers. Star Jammers are great. Yeah, and um, and they were space pirates that were traveling around in space at the same time a Spell Jammer came out. So it's it's uh, it's interesting. I don't know what they're going to do with this, but yeah. there was there's... all kinds of crazy things like the Moon is actually a fully populated planet or subplanet, and it just has an illusion spell cast on it so that people on Toral don't know mm. that the Moon is populated. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's all kinds of crazy well, stuff that came out. The vibe, I mean, people have been wanting Starjammer in, or, yeah, Starjammer. Spelljammer. Spelljammer. See, I'm trying to get in the right one. <laughs> Someone's jamming. Insert t- title here. Uh, people have been wanting Spelljammer in 5e for a while. It's always yes. the dark horse that no one expected to actually, you know, oh, is that the announcement I'm going to get? And so, one, the vibe of it is it's that over-the-top, wacky hijinks, but it's also epic space opera style like you know you want to do your edgar rice burroughs kind of like interplanetary stuff um it's a vibe that is not like anytime i look at a setting right it's why do what's this setting do different for me mm-hmm. and you know forgotten realms you've got your good high fantasy um your high, high fantasy there uh eberron you've got this like gritty like turn of the century industrial uh kind of fantasy going on 
And then start you know, spell, spell jammer. Spell jammer. Crazy space stuff, cosmic stuff, right? It it's it's I think it'll attract a lot of people. You're gonna get old fans, and you're gonna get a lot of new people who go, regular DD feels very cliche to me. I'm not interested in just playing yes. sword and sorcery fantasy. Oh, but I can be a space hippo person? Like that's going to get a lot of people. And the actual product, the slipcase they're doing, really makes it feel premium. It doesn't feel like, oh yeah, we're releasing a, a setting book, whatever. Because in that slipcase, you get the setting book, the, you get a campaign, and you get the- um, Monster rules, manual. Yeah, the um, player options monster manual book. Boo's, uh, it's, it's Boo, right? Because yeah, Boo yeah, and Minsk, um, Boo is a, is a miniature giant space hamster. Yes. And um, in, the in Spelljammer, space hamsters are a real uh, yeah, thing. Yeah. They're just not miniature like Boo. But I think it's Boo's Guide to the Monsters or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, Multiverse of Monsters or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, multiversal Menagerie, maybe. Boo's, I think that's yeah, what it is, because yeah, Volo like gets the right, right. Monsters of the Multiverse. So, um, but, and then there's a DM screen in there. There's a, there's a poster. And it's... I think sixty nine ninety nine. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a lot more expensive it's, when they started showing it all, and I'm like, yeah. nobody's going to buy that. And they're all, I mean, they're all, I think, like 64-ish page books. They're not small. I mean, you're basically, I think you're thinking like three books the size of the Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide okay. uh, in a slipcase with a DM screen for the price of a regular D&D hardback and a DM screen. Like, it's a solid deal. And there's, the regular version has amazing art. I haven't seen the alt art, like the Hobby Store exclusive oh, alt cool. yet, but I imagine it has to be amazing. And we're no, gonna have both of those. it's seriously cool. We'll have to, we'll get a picture of yeah. it shared out because uh, Ben found it and it's mm. really cool. It's already up on our website. Nice. So, with the alt cover out there, because yeah. alt covers reserved for Hobby Stores. You can't yeah. get those in big box stores. Or Only place in town you can get it will be a red raccoon the yeah. number one game store on the block the yeah. number one game store on the block and and uh one last thing i wanted to throw in there too is as part of this whole announcement they kind of did a little teaser at the very end did you catch that john i did dragon lance oh, i yeah. knew you'd be excited dragon lance yeah i read the article and then jamie's like did you see what is at the end and i'm like no he's like dragon lance i'm like oh they buried the lead huh <laughs> yes so it could be well because now we can travel across the multiverse mm -hmm. and exactly. you can travel from the forgotten realms in Spelljammer and go to kryn which they specifically called out and kryn is of course the home of dragon lance and so they teased all they teased was the title dragon lance uh, a book and a Dragonlance board game for the uh, the Dungeons and Dragons Adventure System board games. So they they just showed black mm. pictures of them with nothing else on them. But that's probably going to be either September or November release. And if you're wondering why you should be excited about Dragonlance, talk to a friend who's over forty. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean that. I mean You're that. You're not wrong. <laughs> no, no, no. But it's 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 one of those things where ask one of your friends who's been into D and D longer than you. That's into fantasy novels, and I bet they're going to be very excited to get to share this with you that you're asking about it. Um, but I mean, the big takeaway is Dragon Riders. Yeah. Well, and we we already know. We've talked about on this podcast before that um, Weiss and Hickman are writing a new book. Right? They were the the writers of the original. Uh, trilogy mm. that really kind of started a lot of the hype and it really pulled in a lot of people to the world of Dragonlance. That's that's how I was introduced to it. And I mean, there's a ton of Dragonlance novels, but they wrote the original three. 
um, and then they're coming back. And we talked about they had the whole lawsuit mm. with uh, Wizards of the Coast, and that all finally got resolved last mm. year. And the new book is coming out, and probably the new book and the the Dragonlance um, supplement, D and D world building supplement, will probably drop at the same time. I, I a hilarious thing that an interaction I had on Thursday with uh, Chance, one of our employees is he goes, what's this Drizzt driz thing? Dri-? I'm like, the Drizzt like, figure? He's like, yeah, or it was a uh, folio something had Drizzt on it. And he's like, we're like the, from from Forgotten Realms. Like he's the, the drow, he's like drow. I'm like, and then and then uh, Ken was like, you don't know who Drizzt is? Like, <laughs> like it, did you ever read any of the Forgotten Realms novels? He's like, you know, he's like, no, I'm like none of the RSL tour books uh, for D and D at all. He's like, no, and Ken's like, get out. And then I went, wait, 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 you've never read like a D and D novel? Like you read a lot of fantasy. He's like, I've read Dragonlance, and I was like, okay, well, that's unexpected, but cool, you get cred for that. It was just interesting to have never. I mean, I don't read a lot of D and D novels, but I've read you know some of the Drizzt books. I think that one of the major draws that comes from D and D is being able to create your own world oh, yeah. and having a variety of worlds to really choose from and so i think with the literature sometimes you could be reading something and not realize it's a oh, D yeah. book well to be i honest. mean for me it was an inlet because i was like i'm curious about D, but i don't have anyone to play with so i started reading the novels right so. same that was high school that was a junior high for me right that's when all the Dragonlance books were mm. coming out and then they started bringing out the forgotten realms books with like the harper series mm. and because there's a major in the forgotten realms there is a major sequence that says what's going on in the Forgotten Realms from the changeover from first edition to second edition, second to third, mm-hmm. et cetera, um, that explains how we got the spell plague and how magic we, you know, third edition was kind of a low magic because it was wild magic. You couldn't count on anything. And then magic came back in fourth edition. There was a major trilogy for each one of those. They didn't really do that for Dragonlance books. And there's, I don't, if there's Greyhawk books, I've never re- well, read one. I don't, and people could definitely correct me on this. As of third edition, they really pulled back on how many different settings they did for D&D. Like they focused on Forgotten Realms and I don't know first party how much got released for any of their other settings. And then fourth edition, they went like, here's a book for this and here's a book for this. Um, but I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I know was popular in like second edition and first edition. Like yeah. Mystera is one that I, you know, or uh, Greyhawk, I don't remember the last thing they did anything for Greyhawk. Greyhawk was, uh, I don't think there's been anything for Greyhawk since second edition. Yeah. And Greyhawk was very a very low magic site. Right. For, uh, but it was a lot of people's original, what they mm-hmm. played. It was the it was the major world for first edition. Right, right. And then second edition is when Forgotten Realms took over. Well, oddly enough, this might not be the end-all be-all of the different worlds that we can visit. Because, as we've talked about previously, D&D Beyond has uh, been purchased by D&D Proper, by Hasbro. And we have not heard too much about what that new merger is going to look like. I'm going to be real with you. I think that they're fine with that. Because they're like, just, it's working fine. We don't need to say anything. We'll just keep collecting the money. People are spending it. And the, the less we talk about it right now, the less they expect us to do anything different. Well, I think that <laughs> would have been a really idea, a really good idea. However, someone went ahead and said something, Jesse, and it's kind of got people in a small bit of an uproar about some clarity. Yeah. Chris so, Cox, the, the CEO of Hasbro, uh, in a investor's call for their uh, earnings calls for Hasbro, 
said that with this purchase, it's going to, we've started thinking about this idea of bringing in and using additional IPs and licenses into and bring those into the D and D the D and D game system. I believe yes. the, uh, the the phrase that I remember was used. Yes, which is interesting for sure. Um, I I think that's a very interesting thing because like Hasbro obviously owns a lot of IPs. Um, bringing other types of games to the D and D system is not an old thing. In fact, I'm seeing increasingly the situation for Five E as a rule set. Is starting to feel reminiscent to the mid 2000s, mid late 2000s, and D20 as it was for third edition, uh-huh. for good and bad. Um, if it's done well, it can work out. If it's done poorly, it feels like a saturated market, which is what happened in the later days of third yeah, edition. Because there's already, it's going to be interesting because there's already a 5e version for Lord of the Rings as mm-hmm. a setting, which is Adventures in Middle Earth. Yeah, one of the better adaptions, honestly. There's a new 5e version of The Call of Cthulhu that was also written by Sandy Peterson. I will note the Cthulhu Mythos um, book by Peterson Games for 5e. I think it's written more with a Lovecraftian D&D setting in mind as opposed to Call of Cthulhu. Okay. Um, because it's got a lot of like artifacts and stuff that I think is more, if you want to introduce Lovecraftian cults and elements into a high fantasy game, as opposed to Call of Cthulhu being more of a real world investigation game. And then a lot of the most famous IPs that Hasbro already owns are now their own game system from Renegade, which is, we just saw Transformers, G.I. Joe, and Power Rangers all got their own RPG systems from Renegade, which are not 5e systems. Correct. They were initially announced, people thought they were going to be 5e because they're in partnership with Hasbro, but they developed a different system that leans into the style of those games more. And 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 My Little Pony's on the way, too. Well, My Little Pony... Oh, it's not going to be on the Pathfinder system anymore like it has Tales um, of Equestria? Tales of Equestria had its own system that I don't remember what they call it, but it reminded me of Ryotama. It was relatively streamlined. And I haven't seen anything about Tales of Equestria going out of print, but Renegade did announce their own My Little Pony game. And I don't know if it's going to use the Essence 20 system. I would hope not, because Essence 20 is not particularly simple. It's similar complexity to D&D. But that's the thing, right, is that Renegade had, I'm not a fly on the wall in the meetings that happened here, but the trajectory I saw was Renegade got the license for Power Rangers from Saban before, and just before Saban sold Power Rangers to Hasbro. And I thought, oh, I bet Hasbro wishes they had that internally so that they didn't have this sourced out. Apparently they went, you're doing good, We'll keep, we'll keep this licensing agreement going. And then they went, we'll do you one further. Let's license more of our IPs to you so you can do these specialized hobby game specific properties. And they've done well with that so far for Transformers and Power Rangers and G.I. Joe. And then they've got my Little Pony stuff coming up. Um, but with the discussion of expanding the IPs that are in the D&D system, those are the first things I would normally expect Hasbro to say, let's adapt this. So I'm curious what they're going to do. I don't know. I mean, is this maybe something like what they've done with Magic, where they go, 40K is something we don't own, but we're going to do a Magic set. Lord of the Rings is something we don't own, but we're going to do a Magic set. In the actual 
call that Jamie was referencing, that was actually a main point that he said, how Magic has been doing so well mm. in reaching out to these other IPs and kind of bringing them into the format that they're very curious in ways that they can continue mm. to do that. As I've done some online digging, there are a few different camps in how people believe this is going to come out. There's obviously the people that I think are thinking more along the lines of what you are, where they're like, we could have a Riverdale D&D game, which is not impossible, but I think to your credit and what you're talking about with Power Rangers and Transformers, there is a age level that you're trying to reach that possibly D&D is not the best suited for, at least for an introduction. And that's where these systems that Renegade are producing, I think, are doing a great job because they are, I wouldn't say less rule light, but they are more flexible for play well, and imagination. And in terms of just, I mean, I'm very much in the camp personally that D&D is great for D&D and there's some things that work very well for its system. And then there are games that it's just not a good fit for. Call of Cthulhu being a, my favorite example for D20 Call of Cthulhu is something Chaosium did because everyone was doing a D&D version of their rules because people went, I learned one RPG, I don't want to learn more. It is, over, it is overproduced for the kind of game that Call of Cthulhu is, right? So there are a lot of games that just, you can make a 5e version of it, but you don't need to. It's not gonna be a good fit. It's a square peg round hole. The other camp that I've been hearing from, which was very interesting, was actually looking at the popularity of other people that are playing D&D. And maybe the IP in question is not as far reaching as we thought. So we know that D&D Beyond has had partnerships with Critical Role. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons you can play a customized uh, class from Matt Mercer's own mind, uh, as well as a lot of the content that is coming out of it is inside that as well. They're saying that with all of these creators that are out there doing all of these live play D&Ds, in order to possibly bring fans of that into actually playing the game, Part you might much. have a Dimension 20 version mm. of D&D Beyond. You might have a Critical Role version where the settings might be a little bit different, but really the core mechanics are all still there because there's a lot of systems that within D&D Beyond are great. You can put things in backpacks now. You can automatically have it roll for you. There's a lot of good things that you wouldn't have to adjust too much mm. to bring in other IP. I that, think one yeah. of the interesting things is going to be, you know, they hinted at um, that there probably would not be physical versions of a lot of these, right? Yeah. Mm. So when they brought out the first few Magic the Gathering rule books or world books for the D&D settings, so you could play on Theros or you could play on um, uh, Ravnica or someplace like primers. that. They were yeah. only... Yeah, or, or uh, Dominaria was one of them too. They they were only PDFs, and so you could buy a PDF of it, and you could download the PDF, and you could use it, but you couldn't get a physical book of it until they finally made one. I guess they made a physical book of Theros was the first physical right, book. Right, but it's expanded. It's not the same content. Right? Yeah, so they've done a lot of the D&D worlds. Like, I think there was even a, a PDF for Kaladesh, um, but, but they never made print versions, and so it's going to be interesting as a store to watch to see is there some place that we can participate as part of the partnership that mm. we've had with Watsi over the years or um, you know are they going to try to cut stores out that I think is a big thing that we've talked about on this podcast before and you've definitely raised the red flag about saying as we move to a more digital D&D, what does that look like for the local game store and how are they planning on incorporating them? And I know that in the past you've been concerned with D&D Beyond because of that feeling and hopefully we're, we're 
we're wanting to see now that Wizards of the Coast actually can own it properly, there might be a little bit more integration and hopefully they recognize the lifeblood of their game, which is stores like Red Raccoon. One would hope. Um, I mean, I immediately started to see, I, I almost started to set up a macro in our Discord of, in five different channels, five different people posted different things as none of them had seen. Hey, did you see the D&D Beyond is owned by Wizards now? Maybe we'll get PDF copies. And it was it was an interesting thing where there was the optimism of the customer of what they would like to see. And then there was the cynicalness of me is what I've seen in the industry, right? Um, frankly, I don't expect to see anything more than perhaps a discount of some sort uh, for if you buy the if you buy a physical version, maybe you get a discount on PDF or the integration for uh, D&D Beyond. But frankly, that might not be something you're able to get through us. That might be something that you are direct sales only. As of so far, Watsi has basically been like, why would I give you a discount if I can just take your money twice, right? Mm -hmm. People buy the PDFs, and so why take less money? Um, Paizo is a company that took that direction and went, we're not going to give any PDF integration for retailers. And to one more point, if you do a subscription through us directly, you get a much better price. And that definitely affected our business relationship with Paizo and how much we sold and supported their product line, despite the fact it was a very popular product line in that time period. Um, yeah, we, are, we went from, with Paizo, we went from bringing in you know two to four copies of mm -hmm. every book they put out, which was, Significant. Four, some, four uh, to five um, every month yeah. sometimes. And uh, now we bring in almost none of the books. Yeah. We will keep like the core rule books and we'll special order for folks, but we're not going to give them the shelf space anymore um, because they have proven themselves not to be a good partner for the game store. Yeah. And there are, um, I mean, and it's, there are plenty of indie, and I would say indie is you know anything basically that isn't those those big two or I guess three if you count other things like Catalyst Games with Shadowrun, relatively big name, or um, Asmodee with any of their Fantasy Flight or Edge Studios or whatever they're calling them now RPGs. They don't provide any integration for us for PDFs. But there are a lot of other companies, Chaosium, Modifius, um, a bunch of smaller uh, things, uh, Evil Hat, who provide us uh, Cubicle Seven who provides the ability to give customers DRM-free copies of PDFs with purchase through the Bits and Mortar program. And there's some who do it a little bit differently. Bits and Mortar is one of the popular ways. I always tell customers, I'm like, if you would like to uh, be able to get PDF copies and you want to support the store, email your publisher that doesn't currently do this and let them know, hey, my store said there's this program or if there's another way. Uh, I would like to be able to do both of these. I want to support my local store. I would like to also get PDF copies for convenience sake. Yeah, I've even given both Paizo and Watsi proposals on how they could integrate PDFs into the stores pretty easy. Mm -hmm. That the easiest way to do it would be like a scratch off card yeah. that wasn't in the book per se, where it could be stolen mm -hmm. or somebody could scratch it off and then leave the book on the shelf. But we just have them on a spinner sitting behind the counter where somebody comes up and says, I would like to buy this copy of Fizzbins. And we say, great, here's the scratch off that goes with it. And we just take a card and hand it to them. And yeah. I think it's very easy for the distribution to stock those. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very easy for game stores to do it. And we get a, you get a lot of head nods from the uh, the liaisons that we have to work through. Who knows how far it actually makes it up the chain? You know, both Paizo and Watsi have proven that they're not super receptive to actually 
feedback from game stores. So, yeah, I will always hoist my petard that when I buy a book from a store, I don't necessarily have to buy it again on D and D Beyond. But if you can give me a scratch off that just gives me the content so that I can put it on my characters and be able to equip the magic items or fight with the monsters in the encounter builder, that's all I want. I want that physical book and I want to be able to use it on D and D Beyond. So. I don't yeah. need the book there because I've got it in my hand. But the way that they piecemeal content within D&D Beyond, I think, has a lot more accessibility to this type of system as well. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of options. And yeah. I think it just is a matter of... And, and WotC, actually, uh, let's be fair, WotC does have a council of retailers. I know a few people that are on it who... Um, they run ideas by the problem is is that a lot of times they don't run the ideas by them until after the product decision's been made and the only thing they want to run by that council of retailers is hey here's how we're going to present this to all the game stores not should we do it not how do we do it too late in the game yeah it's already done and, and it's just a decision making process of the the press moves at the end of the problem at, at, at the end of the process so Maybe they'll change. I just am cynical enough to think that they won't. Jamie, I'm sure that you wish that you could be on that council, which I assume would involve robes and candles and some sort of ceremony. (laughs) The fun ones always do. However, I do have a question. If you were on the council that decided on making new G.I. Joe games, would you be happy with the new release of G.I. Joe Mission Critical? So Jesse's been trying to get me to play Power Rangers for forever, and I'm just... You're I'm inside that generation. It's a different not, about this. Yeah, I'm it, not in that generation, right? That's my baby brother's generation, right. which Jesse is actually younger than he is, um, and as are you. And uh, for me, the Power Rangers was, you know, like uh, you're he's out. Stopping, of- he's stopping me from watching what I want to watch because he wants the stupid Power Rangers show on TV again. And if it's right? the exact same niche where you're. That's what G.I. Joe was for whoever was older than you in the house, right? Oh, it's absolutely. the same it's the same niche. Yeah, right? my sister Shelly was so irritated with me <laughs> and Philip, like we would like run home from the bus. The bus would let us off, we'd sprint home to catch G.I. Joe and Transformers, right? Yeah. On on WGN. Now, for the listeners that don't know, we aren't just providing Jamie a platform for hating on Power Rangers. The context is the new G.I. Joe mission critical game is actually based on the exact same play system yeah. that Power Rangers Heroes of the Grid. Right. They're calling it the on. Guardian system now. Correct. And so Jamie brings this up because what I have said is, you know, here's the grid, really, really solid co-op game. And frankly, I think it's probably one of the best co-op games that's currently on the market. Um, on a mechanical level, if I was to introduce someone to something like, you know, oh, where are we going to play like Pandemic or something? I would personally edge this out over it. Different styles, but it's 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 good. Everyone feels like they're bringing something different to the group. There's a lot of good teamwork. It has a lot of good tension, but it's very much if you aren't interested in the theme, if you aren't interested in Power Rangers and its particular style, then I wouldn't expect anyone to get into it, right? Well, so and, I think and John, I think you brought it up in early episodes of the podcast mm-hmm. last year yeah. that you sometimes feel weird when people, when playing games with people, and you're like, let's play Power Rangers. And exactly. Yeah. I, I play sometimes with my wife, who always says, you know, we can play this as much as you want. But then I try to describe Doggy Kruger to her, which is a dog man who turns into 
into a Power Ranger. Yeah, he is an alien who happens to resemble a dog. And you see, right there is when I lose her. And 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 he has he has reptilian skin, which is different from the Sentai footage where he has more furry skin. So when you're playing Heroes of the Grid, here I have a huge stack of Power me. Rangers that look very similar mm. in colors, and they don't describe necessarily their personalities mm. or their special traits. It's more along the lines of, who do you know from the show? Who do right. you love? Who can you relate to? Because you watched the season, and not everyone has done that. Right. But with G.I. Joe being built on the same system, and so much so, in fact, that they've already announced that you can take your Power Ranger characters and play it in the G.I. Joe world. That part. And mm. the G.I. Joe characters in the Power Rangers world. G.I. Joe with a more comprehensive and dynamic group of heroes, I think is going to be a much more interesting fit for this yeah, game. Yeah, I think it's great. It's, we'll see how this plays out, right? I mean, it's going to be, they're bringing the most popular um, characters yep. into the game, right? You've got to have... Duke and Scarlet and Snake Eyes, no matter what you do. You've got to have Roadblock somewhere in there as well. And they've also there, so they're adding in Stalker and Gung Ho, who were also instrumental in all the cartoon series going forward. And then, you know, big time in the comic books. So, but man, there's a million character options oh, yeah. that are possible yeah, well, as this goes along. And with how they've done releases for um, Power Rangers so far, it's definitely sprinkling in the expected thing and then some fan favorites. I mean, and in the base there uh, for G.I. Joe, I think the bad guys, they have um, they have Cobra Commander and then Baroness and I can't remember who the other... Destro is Destro. In there, no, yeah. Destro is not. I was oh, actually I was looking... In, oh, okay. I thought he was in one of the expansion boxes. Yeah, I was going to say, he's not in the base game. Base That's game. what I was going to say. Because in the base game is also Dr. Mindbender, Major ah. Blood, and Copperhead. Which Copper, Copperhead was, I think he was a pilot, is, I think. Is Dr. Mindbender the one that did the episode where there's the whole fake... Like they gaslight, um, I can't remember which shipwreck. They gaslight shipwreck yes, yes. into like this whole fake city, and then everybody melts. Yes. And, yep. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's my favorite episode. I think it's he also <laughs> had a hand in DNA cloning a new Cobra commander known as Serpentor, uh, if I remember correctly. Yes. So I don't exactly that was know kind what of he's a doctor Joe of. Jumped the, jumped he's the a doctor shark. of mad science. Yeah, yeah, anything, yeah. really. A doctor of evil. However, yeah. just in case you are not aware of how the game is played, you have locations, four locations that you have to try and manage and keep a crisis down in. And of course there are foot troopers that you have to mm -hmm. defeat, but also occasionally there are some sub-bosses, henchmen. Sub-bosses, yes, that then you have to compete with, accumulating to finally a giant boss appearing and being able to defeat yes. them. I asked, I asked Jesse how they were going to do the lasers though, because, you know, that is half the battle. <laughs> yes, of course. Senseless violence is the other half. Yes. Nobody ever died, but a lot of uh, aircraft and, sh and tanks got blown mm -hmm. to Jesus. If, as a G.I. Joe fan, I assume you've watched the Community episode based in G.I. Joe that world. That is so good. Oh yes. my, I was just sitting and cackling to myself. It was awesome. It is. With, uh, was it uh, McHale? What's his first Joe name? Joe McHale. Joe McHale become, he's in the game. Yeah, yep. they're in the, yep. in the show. It's awesome. Highly recommend if you're a DN, if you're a uh, GI Joe fan. But I mean, we brought up Community before for Community's awesome D and D mm -hmm. episode. If you can find it now, it is true. It's it's floating around the internet. It's not an unofficial video, but you can you can find it. The, there was an incident where someone was dressed as a drow in the episode, and it was mm. then perceived as blackface. So a lot of carriers, mm. especially during the time where we were trying to be better 
uh, decided that that episode was maybe not as sensitive as it needed mm. to be and has been taken down. Mm. Um, so if you saw the DVD sets and some other places, you can find it. But it is one of the few D&D episodes of something you see that they don't try and do like a fantasy world around. You actually see people sitting at a table and being okay. it. So it's a very good episode. Yeah. So yeah, it's, this looks super cool. We're backing the Kickstarter for G.I. Joe Mission Critical. They are doing this one a little different than what they did initially for Power Rangers. There are no m- big, mechanically exclusive expansions in this, but there are um, there's card packs for um, extra um, vehicles, which is the equivalent of Zords in, mm-hmm. in the G.I. Joe one. And there's an extra card pack of, I think, more bad, uh, bad guy foot soldiers for some variants there. So some nice little stuff there that you, if you're a big fan, you're going to want it for your completionist sake. Um, but yeah, it looks good. And I, like you said, G.I. Joe, even if someone's not a big fan of G.I. Joe, it's genre-wise something that you can go, okay, cool, I get what we're doing here, and you can sit them down. That person's the ninja. All of yes. their abilities are going to be more like quick ninja style. Yes. That guy has a big gun. He's going to do a lot of big damage. Yeah. That's a lot easier to identify than what we were seeing in yeah. Power Rangers. So, super excited. Absolutely. And just really, we're catering the show to everything Jamie likes, I think. Well, so I know, we got right? Dragonlance, we well, got Spelljammer, we well, got G.I. Joe. I'll just put in, it is the G.I. Joe Mission Critical. We already backed it as a store. It is going to be available for pre-order for the store with all the stuff from the Kickstarter, the exact same as we had Power Rangers 2. So if you were wondering, if you're curious about it, mm-hmm. we're going to have it at Cheaper the store. Cheaper than Kickstarting it directly. Yes, we are going to have it at the store. And one of the benefits of backing stuff through the store is is that you usually the Kickstarter plus shipping is more expensive than here we have to charge you tax, but it almost always works out that the Kickstarter plus tax is less expensive than whatever um, you were going to pay in shipping to get some of these big box games. And you don't got to pay it all up front. You can wait until it comes in. True. Uh, I would say if we had another two hours, we would talk about the shipping crisis that is going on and crowdfunding right now. Just just picture a room on fire and screaming. Yep. It's the, in fact, it's the exact same presentation as my, how do you order uh, plastic model kits of robots presentation. It's just screaming for 20 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) When you kickstart something and find out the shipping might be more than the actual Kickstarter, pledge that you put in. I think that there's a a time to definitely scream. However, none of those games, whether they have a large shipping fee or not, are available to us today. Let's talk about what's in the new hotness for the store. I just want to ask real quick for where I save some things I'm talking about. Uh, where do I interject stuff that I've been playing lately? So anytime that you want to throw that in and you think that you can create an awesome transition, because really I, that's the only barrier. I, I had one before we went to New Hotness. <sighs> okay, well, we're going to rewind a bit. We're going to judge rewind you. Rewind the play. If you rewind have a really good transition, I'll the let you talk transition about is it. we've been talking a lot about games that are published by Renegade. We talked about that with their stuff, the RPGs that are licensed from Hasbro. And then we were just now talking about their new G.I. Joe board game. And I feel like there's been this little like foreshadowing. We kept talking about people being old. Um, I'm actually going to be running an RPG for the first time in years. And that's going to be Vampire the Masquerade, which is currently published by Renegade. Mm, yes. <laughs> that's and my transition. Yeah, your transition. I, I thought you were going to go with people who were old because Vampire. you've told me originally that your first RPG system was Vampire. And 
what was it 27 years ago vampire came out 28 so uh, fun thing about that is that i can actually make people feel old multiple ways with this i just did the other day because i was unpacking some boxes because i i moved over six months ago so i'm obviously still unpacking and i unpacked my (laughs) rpg books and put them on the shelf and there was my copy of the world of darkness and vampire the requiem core books um, which were some of the first RPG books I personally ever owned. I think that the Tenchi Muyo RPG book from Guardians of Order was the first one. Um, I think that says everything we need to know about everything. Jesse. Yeah, yep. but so um, that was when I started to get into not even playing yet, but interested in RPGs. World of Darkness had recently rebooted into mm-hmm. New World of Darkness, now called Chronicles of Darkness, and those are mine. And then people are like, I feel old. I'm like, No, here's the thing. Wait, you didn't get in until after the reboot. Yeah, I was. Oh, Jesus. I, I, I was in college. Yeah, I was actually. I'd gone to college, left, went to basic training, came back to college, and then so, Vampire came out. So here's the thing, Jamie. <sighs> Vampire: The Masquerade had first, second, and revised edition. Revised yeah. came out in like '99, and then um, in 2011, 20th edition came, or 20th anniversary came out, which was basically the fourth edition for Vampire. 20th anniversary came out for Vampire in 2011. Oh Jesus. New World of Darkness is getting ready to have its 20th anniversary in a couple of years because it came out in 2004. So the original one is it's, actually 31 yes, years old. Yes, like 91, 92 is when it first came out. So, uh, but for Get me, off my lawn, right, Jesse. Right? But so for me, World of Darkness is very, very formative to my role playing experience. It's actually how, it's a lot of how I got into RPGs. It's uh, I didn't play D&D until years after I'd been playing stuff like that. So uh, sitting down with the Vampire 5th Edition book and reading through the rules and, you know, talking about things in terms of dots for your uh, stats and your disciplines and stuff made me feel at home. Um, That's been a really good feeling because, like, back when we used to play all the time in college, we would play Werewolf, uh, both Werewolf the Apocalypse and Werewolf the Forsaken. Um and all this stuff, and I've never actually sat down and played Vampire, which is kind of funny. So it'll be fun to get to run it. That is really great to hear. Is this with the same group of friends that you played Power Rangers Heroes of the Third with and didn't invite you to? Just totally missed the only No, only um, only one of them is, is a crossover between Oh, that. great. Yeah. So there would have been plenty of room for me. That's good to know. I'm afraid that transition isn't good enough, so we're not going to allow you to do that transition. <laughs> Nice. Uh, but no, that is a fantastic yeah, tier because this is the season. Like there, we have had a hard time where everybody mm-hmm. has been locked up and locked away. And games, board games, Absolutely. RPGs are the best way to start integrating a schedule of seeing people that you actually enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. It's tons of fun. I'm looking forward to it. I'm knocking some rust off uh, and, and, and feeling like actually wanting to run a game as opposed to begrudgingly going, well, I want to play and no one else will run it. And uh, and one of the fun things is it's instigating me to want to do more um, research into some things I know about the history in Bloomington Normal because World of Darkness, it's a darker, grittier, shadowy version of our own world. And there are source books for things like Chicago by Night, if you want to play in Chicago, or New Orleans, or LA, whatever. But one of the things I always enjoyed is like, we're playing Werewolf, we're setting it in Bloomington Normal. It's all a supernatural, shadowed version of the world we live in, which can make it really fun, because it's like, oh yeah, I remember when we were, you know, we had this encounter with a possessed person in Emac and Bolios, and then one of our pack went into war form and turned into a nine-foot-tall werewolf in the middle of Emac and Bolios. And luckily, humans have lunacy, where if they see a werewolf, they just kind of lose it for a little bit and have some short-term amnesia. However, 
security cameras don't have that. So then we had to make a deal with another pack who had more pull and could get the security camera footage from the police. And then we were in their debt. And, uh, and, and it's just like, oh, cool. When I drive by Evac and Bolios, I think about this one session we had, right? Like, that's something I enjoy. So now I'm thinking about all these weird things in Bloomington's history that I'm going to integrate into our game. Like the Great Fire downtown? Like the Great Fire or the steam tunnels or, you know. Luckily, you can uh, also get high quality, high resolution maps uh, of GIS maps and just get them printed at like at the copy shop mm-hmm. or something too. So you've got really detailed like street maps of like you say, I just want to zoom in in downtown or I yeah. want to focus in uptown or I want to do these various things to kind of give it a lot more realism as well. So mm-hmm. I would highly suggest that as a way to help people who are new to D&D being able to navigate worlds. Uh, when I was living in Decatur, I ran a D&D game for a preteen's birthday. Mm-hmm. And so in order to make sure everybody kind of knew what was going on, parents and kids alike, I said it was in the town of Decatur, <laughs> uh, next to the Mount Decatur. of Zion. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had local officials that I knew. Yeah. Like Skip Houston was a character uh-huh. uh, who runs the theater down there. And so that way adults kind of could understand who people yeah. were and why they're important but locations became really easy to describe so if somebody wanted to get something they could go to the wall which is a market where they could pick up things a okay. wall market yeah. a Walmart that nice. sort of thing I like it. Uh, but they knew exactly where to go how far it was what type of like if they needed to get a horse to get there mm-hmm. and things along those lines. So that's fun. That's fun world building. It is. And so I truly agree with you in, in bringing where you live into your setting. It's very easy. Speaking of where we live, <laughs> Fjords. Fjords. That's- which is one of the new games <laughs> on our new hotness. Fjords is a, Fjords is a Kickstarter that we backed. And the reason why I brought it up is just because uh, when it got to the store, Ken and I were walking around the entire day going, hey, Ken, have you seen the Fjords? <laughs> Doing our, our most atrocious Norwegian accents that we could come up with. And uh, we both back and forth me like, I like to play that game because I like to do the little squiggly bits. It's one of my favorites, right? <laughs> Which, of course, is a direct reference to um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and Snarty Bart, Snarty blurt fast and it, we and chance was just looking at us like what is wrong with you guys and the answer would be a lot you got to know where your towel is yeah exactly towel day's coming up too it i is. think it's uh it may 25th jesse and i were trying to explain to Brittany what towel day was she so. just added it to the calendar because she thought that was cute and we're like oh it's a hitchhiker thing she's like what and we're like you got to know where your towel is she was totally not getting it but fjords is in the case um the other big one i don't know if we talked about it last episode or not did we talk about the army painter speed paint showing up last time i don't believe so because i think that happened just last week and we had not yet gotten those in we've been looking for them we talked about how there was an accident with a a a semi that lost an entire shipment of them was destroyed in in a trucking accident and so the paints have finally showed up. We had the starter sets sold out instantaneous. We got some of the mega sets sold out instantaneously. Now we have some of the loose bottles and somewhere out there, somewhere is the rack that the loose bottles are supposed to go into. We have not seen that yet. The bottles have been here for a week. We don't know where the rack is so that the bottles creative. are supposed to go into. So we're getting creative. Yeah, we're getting, trying to get creative with those. But of course, the speed paints are. The speed paints bring all the painters to the yard. Indeed, and they should. <laughs> 
my wife and I have actually been using them, so we've been going through our board games trying to paint some up. I am doing like the normal painting where she is taking our units for board games and just doing a coat of the the paint to defer the different units by different colors. And she is loving it because it is almost an adventure to first of all, paint it and just see how the lights and the darks really flow. Mm -hmm. But as it dries, see it transform. We did, uh, Cthulhu Death May Die, and we use some of the brown on some of these large bat-like creatures, and it just is dynamic yeah. and beautiful, and it did not take anything except one coat of paint on some primary. And this there. is kind of uh, her first foray into painting minis, she isn't was, it? She was not even interested to begin with because the attention to detail is something that she loves, but the time commitment, I think, was a problem. This is something where she can accomplish so many things at once, and I will tell you, it dynamically changes a game whenever you pull out minis, and they are not just the standard light gray that we always get. It yeah. changes things. So the speed paints are designed kind of, they're very similar um, to the contrast paints that um, Games Workshop put out a few years ago, where they're designed in such a way that when you put them on, a lot of pigment will run into the crevices of a mini and um, darken and make the mini look like you're automatically highlighting the shadows. It's like three coats of paint in one. Yeah, mm -hmm. so you, you it thins out and uh, on the highlighted parts actually become a lighter color so they look like they're highlighted, like light is hitting them. Then you've got your normal color and then you've got the shadows where the, the paint uh, pigments aggregate and then it, those look darker so it looks, yeah, um, normally you would have had to do that with a, a base coat, a layer coat, a shade uh, shade coat, a or a tone coat. a lot of technique to make it look good. Yes. Yeah, and, and it makes it very starter level for everybody. So, so those finally showed up and we're super excited about that. Um, the other big one that I saw that, uh, I guess a couple more, big release from Stonemire Games in- mm, Libertalia. Libertalia, uh, the Waves of Galecrest? Gale, winds of Galecrest? Yeah, winds, winds of, of Galecrest. And that is a reskin of a, uh, or a reimagining of a 10 year old game, 2012. And they really said, so much in the world of board gamings ha have changed in the last 10 years. We're going to take, they put all new artwork on the cards. They added some extra expansions. They, they clarified a bunch of errata from the rule book. They added some premium tokens and some premium components to it. And a lot of people have been coming in who've bought this, this buying this new one, say, I have the original. I'm super excited about this upgraded, almost like premium yeah. version of the game. And they took the, the original had a, a regular pirates theme and they made it into Sky Pirates, right? I think so. Yeah. Sky yeah. Pirates are great. Yeah. Sky Pirates are great. A um, couple other things that showed up too. One of them is uh, Bard Song. And I'm torn on Bard Song, right? I'm torn on Bard Song because uh, I wanted to bring the full Kickstarter version into the store and Steamforge who has been a good partner in the past, told us that we were not allowed to participate in the full Kickstarter one on this one. However, I brought in some of the retail boxes because uh, I'm weak, <laughs> right? Because it's a co-op it's a co it's a co dungeon crawler and I have a weakness for co-op dungeon crawlers and the minis look amazing. That's one thing Steamforge does uh, very well 
is the minis for their games. The minis look amazing. And when you see the box, you pick the box up, you're like, oh my, there's like 20 something pounds of game here. Mm -hmm. So this will be a game that you can play cooperative to hold you over until whenever Frosthaven may actually arrive. And it's supposed to have some interesting mechanical things about like, I feel like I remember something about like, uh, if a room starts to fill with water, like some, I can't remember specifically. I, just, I watched uh, so many videos on yeah. it. Um, you know, 18 months ago when they started talking about it that yeah. I, I forget when they actually game Sounded shows neat. up. It did some things that were different. Yeah. The first <laughs> expansion for Hero Quest showed up too, speaking of yeah. cooperative dungeon crawls. It's just got a fun cover. It's so classic. And the second expansion to, or story-based expansion for Space Space. Yeah. It's yeah. also on the new I've seen a lot of people who see that one and are backtracking going, I didn't actually pick up the first one. I'm going to get that one out too. As someone who's played through all the first of that narrative storyline, it was surprisingly fantastic. I am one that always loves playing a game right after I've played it a few times just so that I can really mm -hmm. start to build my mechanic. Because yeah. oftentimes you play it once, you put it on a shelf, right. and you forget everything about it until you play it again and try and piece together the pieces. This gives you a huge push to keep mm. on playing the game the exact same way, finding different tactics with only tweaking the rules a little bit to go along with the story. Nice. The story's not overly complex, but it is intriguing. It is surprising. As long as you don't flip through the pages when you first get it, you're going to be okay. delighted by what you get It was neat that it's a story expansion. And yes. I, I'm with you, John. I've been making a focus this year on when I play a game, if I like it, trying to play it at least five times, right? You know, scoring my, my nickels in uh, BG stats, mm -hmm. as it were. Um, a couple other new things that are in here. Uh, Vampire the Masquerade Second Inquisition came oh, out. What a, what a coincidence. Right? What a coincidence. That would have um, been a great way to talk about how you just started playing a game. You know, it, it's like it let me talk about it twice. Yeah. <laughs> why, why do it once when I can do it twice? Um, it's an antagonist source book for all the different ways that vampire hunters can be brought into your game. And it's really, it's well put together. I was flipping through it. It has some interesting things where they go like, logically, it would make sense for... Uh, vampire hunters to attack your covet or your coterie during the day, right? When you're asleep. But dramatically, these encounters are going to happen at night. What are the reasons that you might have for why they do that to make that make sense? A lot of good meta talk to the GM. Um, really neat stuff. Also, uh, it, it's not in here because we just sold the last copy of it and I'm waiting for more to show up. But one that's been a little bit of a surprise hit is Monster Care Squad. Indie RPG, gorgeous uh, cover production. That one is basically, it's the setting is, uh, you have a lot of RPGs where it's, let's go fight the giant dragon, let's go fight the giant earth elemental. And this one is, all those giant monsters are a natural part of the world's ecology. And there's a sickness that is driving a bunch of them uh, mad. And so you go from town to town, finding out what's going on, researching the problem, finding a way to help them. And so people have been really drawn to that twist. Um, and so that's been super popular. It's like the exact opposite of Monster Hunter. Exact opposite exactly. of Monster Hunter. Yeah. 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 So uh, if you're a fan of anime, there is a one that's really big right now, just started second season, called Rising of the Shield Hero. Mm -hmm. And it's about three people from modern day world, they're into yeah. a fantasy world, no surprise there, four people, excuse me. Three of them are video game players. Mm -hmm. So they go through this whole entire story, killing, looting, all yeah. of this, but not thinking about Power the- Power fantasy, yeah. Exactly, not thinking about the, what happens afterwards. So there, one of the characters then goes and there's a village where the dragon in the area got killed, which is great, except they didn't do anything with the body and it started befouling the land mm. and the water and 
stopping crops growing. So he had to go in and kind of take care of this issue. And that's kind of what this reminds me of. It's taking what you normally see through progressing through an RPG, but also being able to tell the story of how are you actually taking care of the problem, yeah. not just finishing the problem. And if someone isn't crazy about the violence that's inherent in a lot of yes. fantasy storytelling, this is a good a good take on that. Yeah. So ever, I'm gonna I'm gonna segue into just a, a, a pop culture reference since we're talking about giant monsters. So I'll just take us out of the new hotness for a second because um, we talk about a lot of books that we've read, mm. and I just finished listening to the audio book of the Kaiju Preservation Society by John Scalzi. John Scalzi. It was so good. It was like, um, you know, this this year so far I have been revisiting and listening to a lot of the Tom Clancy novels um, you know with Hunt for the Red October and Patriot Games and Clear and Present Danger and I I love these worlds that, 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 that Clancy uh, builds with the depth of the characters and, and how much description he puts into it but I was getting to the point where a lot of the these books were all written in the 80s and, and the big bad guy in the world in the 80s was Russia and it was getting a little too close to home for me with um, all the stuff that's actually happening in our world today and I'm like, I need to change up. I can't have any more nuclear threats and Russian conspiracies and stuff. So I pop out and um, a friend recommended Kaiju Preservation Society and I needed that. It's it's only like eight hours long as an audio book, but it's like, um, you know, there are times when I want to listen to Metallica and there's times mm -hmm. when uh, over, over Nine Inch Nails or something dark and like this world building they're crafting in your head. And there's times when I just need something light and fluffy, right? Yeah. And this was the equivalent of a light and fluffy book. And... I just loved it. I plowed through the eight-hour book like last weekend. I listened to the entire thing over the course of the weekend. I was just walking around with earbuds in and ignoring Kelly completely. And and, and what's interesting though is at the end of the book, Scalzi. Uh, just, okay, it's on my to read. <laughs> so Scalzi has a writer's um, afterward yeah. in the book, and he was talking about how he got COVID, mm -hmm. and he got you know one of the, the symptoms that you could get was the brain fog, mm -hmm. and he had a schedule to keep where he was supposed to turn in a book in 2020, and he could he found himself unable to structure sentences and paragraphs. Mm -hmm. And this is a guy who's got dozens and dozens of books out, right? And he couldn't he couldn't write. And it was like this pressure on his his life. Um, and his publishers and everything were super cool and the editors were super good about it. They realized what had happened to him. But um, it was like this massive pressure on he was going to write this big, grim, dark, low magic fantasy book. And he just couldn't figure out how to do it. And finally, he said, you know what? With all the stuff that has happened in the world, screw this book. I am not writing this book. And he, was, he talks about how it was like a weight lifted off his soul. And then he wrote this light and fluffy. Yeah. He's like, it's the equivalent of listening to the pop music. And yeah. it was everything he needed and I'm like, that's how I felt just finishing the book. This is I just love the synergy of those two ideas pulled together. And that's if you if you're listening to this, you've never read John Scalzi before. Um, he's not a meandery writer. He is snappy. He's amazing at world building. And um, so if you like sci-fi or 
you don't have the patience for something clodgy, but you'd like to check it out, I'd highly recommend Old Man's War, a great standalone, but also a series, or the Interdependency series that he did recently, which was the first time that he did something intentionally that was going to be a trilogy of books, as opposed to, that was really good. I've got another story in that world. Also, so I've never read those, but he did Red Shirts, which Red is Shirts? a total spoof on Star Trek. Yes. And he did uh, Lock-In, which is really kind of a, yep. a near-future... Um, a disease has gone rampant and there's a repercussions. Flu. Yeah. 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 Uh, maybe that's a little too close to home right now, too. Yeah, but that, that's well, what he, he kind of skims ago. across that. It he takes does. it. It's like, said, I think, of like 20, 35, it's or 20, like 40. It's a mystery yeah. thriller one, right? Yeah. 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 With some sci fi yeah. elements because it's yeah. like 20 like years carbon. in the future. Yeah. yeah so. I do um, love his writing style. And I've been telling Jamie for a few years now, I'm like, read Old Man's War. It's, and, it's on my wish list, and but the, like, the Hugos just came out and like 18 new novels just got added I to know. my wish list. Just, Jamie, the next time you think, I want something like Dune, but I don't actually want to reread Dune again, put on the Interdependency. Will Wheaton does the audiobooks and they're amazing and it's it's so good. And Why did you say it like that? Huh? Say Cool Whip. Cool Whip? Wheaton? <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I, did I enunciate the ancient Wheaton? No. Did I not, and that's the problem? Cool whip. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that took us from the new hotness. Battlecon in the new hotness. If you like Street street Fighter fighting games, check it out. It's great. There you go. That's all I was going to say. <laughs> Is that one where you're kind of in one lane and you're pushing yes. each other back and uh, forth? Yeah. Fate of Indians, I believe, is this one. They've done multiple games. This one's a smaller set where a lot of the first ones they did were like a big $80 game that was essentially buying a game and then five expansions. There's so much content. And they went, let's just do a $40 game with a moderate amount of content. But yeah, you choose your character, or you it's card-based, and you have that lane where you move back and forth on basically a 2D plane. And your turn is a basic thing like a kick, a punch, a throw, and a special move, which is specific to your character. And that combo is what your attack is. And then those go into a cooldown where you're not going to get back in your hand for two turns. Uh, so very strategic, lots of good flavor. Different characters have like different power-ups and stuff. If you like fighting games, you're going to love it. And if you want to pick it up, you can come into the store right now. Boom. What are some reasons they might want to come into the store this week? Because we're awesome. Because you're awesome. Because that we, you never know. <laughs> because you never know what's going to happen. And also, lately, with how busy things have been, we usually try to do a new hotness video where we go to Facebook and go, hey, this is cool stuff that came in. I'll be honest, it's been happening so much lately. Sometimes those take a day or two. So you might, don't just think, oh, nothing new came in because they didn't post on Facebook. Well, and there's also a lot of stuff getting ready. So here we are sitting here. Today is May 1st, which is hard to imagine that we're already in May. And Next week is Mother's Day. Make sure to don't forget if you are listening to this. <laughs> yeah, get your mom something. Yeah, now's the make time plans to plan. Make reservations yep. for the restaurant. A couple weeks from then is my birthday. Yeah, but with so farmers markets launching, right? So next Saturday will be the first farmers market in downtown, which always brings a whole new crop of customers to our front door, literally to our front door. Um, so we got that going on. Crop, we still have nice. what's that? Whole new crop. Nice. Whole new crop. You like that? Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, you know, we've also get downtown's got a, a ton of stuff. There's, I think, five different summer concerts that are going to happen downtown, including one of them where the opening act is Leah Michelle, who is currently on American Idol. She's made the top 10 um, and she's from normal. She went to U, uh, Unit 5. I think she hmm. was in the Unit 5 schools. So, um, so that's kind of fun. She's kind of a quirky Americana singer that uh, watched some of the videos on YouTube about her. 
Pokemon sets, magic sets, D&D sets, um, you know, God, there's so much stuff going on right now. And it's just going to be awesome. It's I love the fact when the weather, weather gets better, we can prop the doors open and just get a nice, great breeze that blows right through the store and blows people right into the doorway. What's inside <laughs> they there? don't stand a chance. They They're don't. sucked in like a whirlpool. Yes. Well, that is fantastic to hear. Thank you guys once again for joining me on this podcast where uh, we can talk about all the nerdy things that we love. If you are a listener, thank you. Because we are trying to now publicize this more. We're trying to make sure that other people are able to hear it as we're throwing it out there. So tell if your you friends. Can... Tell random strangers on the street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, and if, of course, uh, we will see you all next time. Yep, two weeks from now. We do these every two weeks. So till then, keep playing. And have fun. Mm-hmm.